Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Kubernetes Unpacked podcast. My name is Christina Dvochko. I'm Michael Levan. And today it's just us. We're uh, uh, going to talk a little bit about the Kubernetes in context of sustainability and how to run Kubernetes and workloads on it in a more greener manner. What are the current trends and tools that are available for us in the cloud native landscape uh, for us to to get 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 to that and achieve that. So you have been to the KubeCon and Cloud Native Con NA Michael and I don't know if you have noticed that there have been a bit more talks on the topic. Mm. What do you feel? Do you feel about that? How, did you feel like it, it's been more talked about in the cloud native space? Yeah. Tesla has these like power, like these like power bricks, right? And mm. these power bricks, like for example, what'll happen is let's say you have solar panels like on the top of your house. Mm. Um, you can feed the energy into these power bricks and yeah. then you can like plug your car in or plug in whatever your house, whatever. Right. So it kind of made me wonder like if there's anybody running that in like the Kubernetes landscape right now or like a data center. I don't, I, I wasn't able to find anything when I was Googling it, but I'm curious like if a data center would ever do something like that. Um, like for example, like an Azure data center, right? Like have a bunch of solar panels, have a bunch of those, those, power energy blocks in the data centers and then like energize mm. and feed everything that way. I know about one data center that is doing some really cool stuff uh, in that area, kind of kind of what you're talking about, but not quite. There is an, a data center in Sweden. I was I found actually about it pretty accidentally when I was preparing my talk for KubeCon EU uh, last year on, on the same topic. Um, so this data center... Uh, it uses all the excessive heat that comes from kind of the servers mm. to send it further to power the city oh, that the data center belongs to. So kind of all that uh, extra heat that is generated, it is kind of sent further to be used um, to to power the regular homes. And this is like, I think they've been, there is like a small city there. I don't remember exactly about how many uh, citizens there are. I think there are like four, five hundred citizens, if I'm not mistaken. And they have been like able to power the, the size of a whole city with that excessive heat. And we know that in general, like when it comes to the data centers, that this is one of the issues that you would need also to use like water or some other cooling technologies in order to be able to handle all the hmm. excessive heat coming from that. So that is cool to see that there are ways to like not try to battle it but to use it kind of further like in a reuse format you could say or or use it to bring value uh, as well so maybe we'll see more of that going forward yeah I, I think that's the goal there sustainable energy um mm. reusable energy rather because for example right um let's say you have an electric car and you go and you charge it, right? Mm. That energy, that electric is coming from somewhere, right? It's coming from various grids. And then you're paying for that energy. So there's two, there's kind of like two problems there. Number one, uh, if you look at like, for example, there was this one article, I believe from in Florida, 
this this one guy had like an F-150 Lightning, which is Ford's electric car. Mm-hmm. And he had to like drive, like I forget, like 16 hours or something like that. The amount of times that he had to stop to charge, the amount of money that he had to pay was far more expensive than oil, added like eight or 10 hours to his trip. And he ended up having to get towed because he couldn't find a charging station. So that is not a reusable, sustainable method, right? Like, and not to mention the, the infrastructure that would have to go up for these grids for it to even be sustainable isn't, isn't, I don't believe it, it, it. I don't believe that it's a good use of infrastructure for that. But to your point, if a data center can do something like reusable energy with the heat to power X amount of cities or whatever the case may be, um, that makes sense. Or even, you know, like the whole solar panel thing to have the ability to power the data centers. That makes sense. And you could even have that, like, for example, with like Microsoft's underwater data center stuff, Mm. like there's nothing stopping you from like having solar panels still bringing in that energy and connecting it all. Uh, So, yeah, it's interesting. And I I know we're here talking about Kubernetes and I'm talking about electric cars, but it's kind of all one and the same, right? Like the whole um, sustainable energy thing, the whole not using oil, like it impacts not just one area of the world, right? Like it impacts everything. It impacts what we do for a living. It impacts what a lot of people are doing for a living. So I think the ironic thing is like if we solve this sustainable energy issue, we could solve it not only for Kubernetes, but for everything. Yeah, I I agree. And I know I'm like pretty aware that the word sustainability is kind of maybe triggering for many because we're talking a lot about it, but it's not just talking about it. You know, many companies and many people are using this as the, oh, it's a trendy hot topic. Let me pitch in something and put the word <laughs> sustainability into it. Or let's talk about greenwashing or like um, the credits, the offset of your carbon emissions to someone else who's going to plant mm. the trees and let's talk about how cool that is mm. and at the same time produce more 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 and then it's not surprising that often this topic for many can be triggering in a bit of a negative way and people can be like a little skeptical so like i am passionate about it in my private life but in this case as well i want to like a look on onto the scientific onto the factual part of this like what mm. what can we do how can how can we think about it because like if you look at the core of the topic itself there are scientific facts that this is a challenge that we are facing right now the whole mm. the whole planet i don't need to use it as a as a hype you know you could there are many official research uh data and research papers on that topic that have been measuring this stuff since 1800s you know mm-hmm. and that is that is a fact that can be checked that this is a challenge and i do believe that we can, that we should all contribute to it and now with you know with the ai with the large language models mm-hmm. with the power it requires mm-hmm. and with uh, all the demand that we have to use these services the data centers do not have like an eternal capacity to offer so many for example public cloud providers need to extend they need to build more data centers mm-hmm. and what this has resulted into is that 
there have been countries that have even put like temporary moratoriums on building data centers mm. because what the issue happened there is that with the growing demand, the demand for using the resources, for using the power to power those servers also has grown. Mm-hmm. And it was taken from the citizens and the infrastructure of the cities and the country. Mm-hmm. And then that's how do you, how are you going to balance that? You would still need to be able to have enough resources to keep the infrastructure going, to keep the prices, which is a challenge in Norway, for instance, these days or in Europe in general, mm-hmm. or the prices for the electricity. Mm-hmm. How do you manage that together with that growing demand? Right. And that's when it boils down to what we are talking about to running Kubernetes, running mm. our applications in cloud. How can we do this efficiently? How can mm. we run and use our resources efficiently? Because with efficiency, we can contribute to making it also more sustainable. And that's, I believe, where we can bring value. And, and the weird thing is, like, if you look up in the sky and you look at the sun, uh, don't look at it directly for everybody that's listening. You'll go blind. <laughs> good, good, but, good <laughs> disclaimer, <laughs> don't look at it directly. I can't pay for everybody's eye care. Um, but <laughs> you're, you're, you're looking at the world's largest battery. The, the energy that's emitted from the sun could power the entire world. There's nothing, it doesn't run out. Well, I guess it depends on what physicist you ask, but uh, the goal <laughs> is that it does not run out. Uh, and and that's that's kind of the thing. Like we have the ability to power, I mean, a lot. It, it's really just a matter of make, you, you know what it is? I think the ability is there, but uh, the, the ability from a physics perspective is there, but the from an infrastructure perspective. Now I'm saying infrastructure in terms of like the infrastructure that needs to be built to sustain things like electric cars and stuff like that. It's not there. Like it's way easier to plug in a server in a wall than it is to build solar panels and put all that up and build power bricks and all that stuff. It's far easier to go stop and get gas than it is Mm. to find a charging station for your car. Um, the the problem is is that the ability to do it is there it's just more difficult and i think i believe that's the problem that we're facing right now is it's just easier to plug in in a wall versus getting the approval for however much it's going to be to put solar panels on your data center um and yeah. not only that right like we're talking permits we're talking approvals from property management companies we're talking people coming in and installing them. We're talking maintenance, um, all of it. I mean, there's just so much that would have to go into it from an infrastructure perspective. And ironically enough, like I have family members that are electricians in the union, um, and like we were we were having these discussions like over the holidays and stuff uh, last month, where it was like, yeah, like the infrastructure that's needed to sustain this is just not there and it's not going to be there for a while. So we need better and easier ways to sustain that infrastructure. So instead of saying, Hey, I'm going to put a charger at every lo- every gas station. It's like, no, think about solar panels. Think about uh, giving m- more ease of use for, for charging. Same thing from a, in a data center, you know, instead of saying, Hey, we're going to have whatever it is like they should be thinking about more like solar panels 
They should be thinking about, you know, charging bricks like from Tesla to store the charge. That way you can use it later and you don't have to use it right then and there. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of different uh, a lot of different capabilities. And if I'm not mistaken, maybe you might know, Christina, but even when it's dark out, and this might be such a stupid question, but even when it's dark out, <laughs> your solar panels still work, no? Like, obviously, like if you have solar panels on your house and it's dark outside, like you can still turn on your lights now. Yeah, like it is, it may be a bit beyond my area of expertise, but I think like the, the, there is still energy from the sun, even when it's dark. That's, that's the fact. Um, So I would guess that it still generates some. It's just can't, uh, much, it's the much weaker, uh, than it would be through the day. That's why, like, when, for example, we have neighbors that have done this uh, renovation where they put solar panels on the whole roof. Um, and that's why you, it is specific homes that have this sun side. Mm. It would give them more benefits to fully mm. get power from those solar panels. If they have like the, the sun side more, uh, more or less the whole day, whereas uh, the house that does not and has a lot of shadow would not benefit as much and would still need to be able to, uh, default or, uh, use the, uh, the regular power as an additional source. And it's also quite an expensive investment. So, for example, something we are considering in our house to do uh, now that we need to uh, to renovate mm. the mm-hmm. the roof, and it still is uh, costly. And I think like this domain in general is very new. A right. lot is happening. Also, like from the technical perspective right for us as engineers that are building platforms that are developing applications that run on those platforms that are using cloud services like there is still not much standardization in place that can make it easier to grasp how Mm. how do i measure it how how is the state of what i have built how is the state of it under load when it's being used how sustainable is it? How much resources it's using and how can I improve it? And that's because so much is changing every single day. And like there are a lot of bits and pieces that need to hang together, which also makes it difficult to like measure it in the same manner for every single environment. So what you're measuring like in public cloud can be different from if you're running it on bare metal or if you're running on mobile devices versus say regular desktop application uh, you may need to use different types of parameters right. in order to measure it in a meaningful way that's mm-hmm. why what we see is that it can be like difficult to grasp and many of it is so new and therefore expensive like any right technology we've seen through the year once something cool comes out and is limited even like the first computer right it can be super expensive and challenging to to acquire and start using but i believe that with time it will be more accessible for us and we see like in norway for example like uh regarding your point about having this uh electric car charger fear syndrome mm-hmm. like the right applications for example we have a startup company here in norway that is building an application that kind of will map out all the chargers that are available for you in the different countries uh, mm. neighboring to norway 
and Norway as well that will help you kind of map your routes and will help you make this trip easier and being able to plan it without fearing that you will run out of electricity and kind of mm-hmm. will also help optimizing based on the prices and all. So we see this innovation happening. Yeah. But yeah. it takes time. You know what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about, uh, so number one, I was Googling while you were talking. And if anybody's interested, there are portable solar panels. So you can actually go on Mm. Amazon and you can buy these portable solar panels, um, which look rather interesting. Uh, So you don't have to get like a huge company to kind of come in and, and do it for you. And the other thing that I was thinking about was, Remember in grade school, there were like the solar powered calculators. Yeah. <laughs> I, and, and I can remember from, I don't even know, I must've been, I don't even know how old I was, but I can remember like turning them and it would work when you pointed it in one direction and it wouldn't work when you pointed it in another direction. I guess if you were pointing closer to the sun, but the, the reason that I'm thinking this is because like even, you know, when it's dark, right? Like I, I could be wrong here. I'm not a physicist, obviously, but um, I think it also has to do with the sun's radiation, right? Mm. In terms of the power that's coming in. So that might be like why it works, like even in, in, in your home, right? Because in your home, like your roof isn't open, so the sun isn't beating directly, so if things like yeah. like that solar powered calculator could work, maybe it has something to do with the radiation. So it's like we have all these different capabilities that are at our disposable uh, disposal. It's really just a matter of, I guess, like I said, like building the infrastructure and making it more mainstream, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that takes time, right? And yeah. uh, even like figuring out how to do that and how to do that at scale. But if we think like, for example, public cloud providers, if we would, com- mm. if we were to compare, if you were to build a private cloud yourself, build your own data center versus public cloud, mm-hmm. we would expect just like with security, for example, like we've been talking earlier about that, that public cloud providers have the means to invest a lot mm. also into this aspect because they have this huge scale. Mm. And they need to also set an example and they will be asked to set that example also by the government, what is happening now, at least in Europe, uh, around the regulations for kind of being able to report on mm. your emissions. Wow. Uh, so, for example, they would, I would guess, have like the uh, an opportunity also to show and to set that example by building their uh, mm. infrastructure in a efficient re mm-hmm. reduce reuse recycle type of um, mm-hmm. manner right yeah and i think the reuse piece there is the most important especially yeah. for i mean i wouldn't i don't think i would really want to necessarily look at a data center's electric bill but i'm assuming there's a lot of power that's needed right especially for a very large data center like an azure data center or something like that so um the infrastructure needed alone for that is probably like you definitely can't go on Amazon and uh, buy a couple portable solar panels. And <laughs> yeah. Probably won't work. Random, random question out of curiosity. Do you drive an electric car? Yeah, I do. You do? Yeah. yeah I, I, a small I one, actually, not a Tesla. Nice, uh, nice. 
Yeah, I, uh, I I figured you did because I know that you're really interested in this stuff like outside of uh, Kubernetes as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but awesome. like to mention uh, to mention on that, uh, it's not always um, it's not always the most optimal solution to buy something new instead mm-hmm. of using what you already have. I think mm-hmm. it's important to mention so that like oh, electrical cars are now the go-to. So if you have recently bought a regular car, now you need to throw that away and buy a new electric car. And the same like with the servers, right? If the new Mm. uh, type of hardware came out, you need to like wipe out your data center and buy all new servers. We Then you come to that physical waste type of thing Mm. that may not always be the best solution. Mm. that you need to kind of evaluate so the same here we i start we like i bought an electric car uh, a year or so ago because the one that i had it was also a small one and it has we inherited it from the grandparents of my husband and it kind of have been there since 2006 uh-huh. and it was very well used so it started so it was time for it to go and retire (laughs) and it is still there so we still use it uh sometimes on the longer routes but for most of it we are using the electric car so this balance is important very very cool do you think that at some point you know microsoft and and aws and and these companies will because of this need get into like the sustainable energy game um, cause I, I wonder if like every company will end up, cause you know how they say like every company is a tech company now, mm. at what point will it be like every company is a sustainable energy company? Cause like even like thinking about like Tesla, for example, like everybody looks at Tesla and thinks like, Oh, it's, it's a self, it's a electric car company. It's not, it's a sustainable energy company. They do a lot of stuff with solar panels. They do a lot of stuff with the power bricks. They do a lot of stuff outside of electric cars. So it's like they are like a sustainable energy company. They're just known for their cars. Uh, do you think that like Azure and AWS and stuff like they'll do similar things? Like they'll be like a sustainable energy company? Because I guess they, they would kind of have to be, right? Like in some way, shape or form. They are in a way mm-hmm. or they're moving there. Um, some of the public pro- cloud providers more than others. Mm. Um, I think I think they have done at least like Microsoft and uh, Google have done uh, great advancements and investments in that area. So I think with the way the world is changing and the challenges we're facing, they have no other choice than doing that. But I think it's about spreading that knowledge and putting your position and making it transparent and making it truly sustainable and not like talking about sustainability and that and then all you do is greenwashing or offsetting Mm. like buying credits externally and not actually putting effort into doing it yourself so i think that will matter a lot because now especially for those who are working with this domain of sustainability it's pretty visible when a company says that they are sustainable but then when you look into the details, you can see that a lot of data is hidden. They mm. just say that they do. But what you only know of is that they are using it as a type of marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel that like 
public cloud providers are on the right path, but the challenge of key, having the data transparent and available for the community to check, how are you sustainable? What are the different emissions you're producing and how has it changed over time? How is my usage of the cloud services contributing to the overall emissions? And can mm -hmm. I measure it for my tenant versus the others? And for example, comparing the three uh, public cloud providers, I believe cloud has like a Google cloud has a, um, a, a tool that is trying to achieve something, something like that, mm. that is kind of helping you to, uh, to see, uh, how sustainable, um, your resource usage in cloud is. Mm. Um, but there are tools that are coming out in the open source space and cloud native space that I see the potential to be integrated by these public cloud providers mm. that I hope they could use over time so that mm. we can see that can it, it can become visible that they are indeed also a sustainable cloud mm. uh, provider. So for I don't know if I should go into the details for the Kubernetes specific one where I do see a potential of being integrated, which I would like to see being integrated into the public cloud providers is Kepler. Mm. And that is a sandbox project in CNCF that uh, it is the tool that basically gathers the power energy uh, metrics uh, as uh, from, from our Kubernetes clusters and from the applications that are running mm. On those nodes, and then it exports them as Prometheus to Prometheus, and then you could use machine learning models to uh, kind of visualize how much power is being consumed by your workloads and by your nodes in the clusters. And mm. this is something that the cloud providers can integrate and make available as part of their managed Kubernetes service, for example. And uh, I hope to see this happening with time it's interesting but we will only know over time i think maybe we can do a revamp of this episode in five years and see totally. if anything has changed <laughs> yeah we should uh I, I was thinking it would be interesting if we could we should talk to the cncf or kubecon eu and figure out if there's a way to like get like a little like a we could we should bring like an intel nook or something deploy uh a bootstrap a kubernetes cluster with like cube adm and then mm. look to power it with some uh, uh, portable solar panels. That'd yeah, be pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be uh, that could be interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, oh. yeah, that's really interesting that there there are even like these open source projects and tools coming out now all around this space. Yeah, it, it's interesting because I I. I think I look more into the sustain uh, the reusable energy just outside of tech and stuff in general, but based on this conversation, like whether you're looking at it for cars, whether you're looking at it for homes, it's the same thing. It all translates to the same thing. Like mm. Kubernetes energy sustainability is no different than home energy sustainability. Well, I mean, obviously, uh, depending on data center versus size of a home like that's different but the core of what the goal is at the end is it's all the same stuff right yeah yeah i mean yeah. it's about 
about reducing waste, about um, maximizing the utilization of your existing resources, Mm -hmm. about finding ways to optimize what you use, to use as little as possible, Mm -hmm. and to have ways to monitor, measure, and improve over time. And that's like, I think there was a saying, now I don't, I'm not sure I can say it exactly, but the most sustainable server is the one that's off. (laughs) <laughs> or like the most sustainable yeah. system is the one that is offline, you know, that is yeah. non-existent because yeah. then it does not produce anything. But with regards to the current situation, the goal is basically to make it as efficient as possible mm-hmm. and reduce as much waste as possible. And like the the part with waste is actually the easiest step, mm-hmm. but the one that is the largest problem currently about so many resources just being there, idle or forgotten, orphaned, not cleaned up, mm-hmm. and just being there, you know, using using that energy, mm-hmm. using those resources. So, I mean, this is like the easiest step each and every one of us engineers can take. Just, you know, get back home, get back to work and check, okay, have I forgotten anything that I don't need anymore? Can I turn it off? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny because that's where cost and resource optimization come into play. Mm. So, and what's ironic is, and I just, it kind of just hit me as well. I never heard about like any of the cost and resource optimization tools talking about sustainability. Like it's not really part of their pitch. Yeah, that is actually true. I'm just, I would... I would need to check regarding the open cost, for example, as the open source yeah. uh, cost management tool. But I think you're right. At this point, I don't think any of them are like, even though they can be used to mm-hmm. get some of that information, like, for example, cluster efficiency or mm-hmm. node efficiency that could help you improve it. I don't think they actually state much in that right. context that right. it contributes to making your systems more sustainable, which is a shame. I think we should, uh, there is a way to improve there as well. Yeah, yeah no, totally, 100%. I might need to, yeah. to recheck that. Now it's been a while I've been reading like the, you know, the, the marketing docs, for example, <laughs> for the cost and optimization tools. I need to recheck that uh, yeah. at least. Like if you have worked with them, I guess uh, many of us are probably aware that especially the efficiency metrics that these tools help you it's uh, help you with uh, can help you make your systems more efficient and mm-hmm. often a consequence of that may be that you are y- utilizing your existing resources to their max potential you're using that those nodes in the cluster right. to their max potential which contributes to that you need less nodes to that you are, you have a kind of more sustainable clusters running. Mm. Uh, so this is all, this can often come as a positive improvement, right. not only from the cost perspective, but also from the resource efficiency and sustainability perspective. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of plays there. Uh, and more importantly, there's just a lot of ways to uh, help the universe, right? Because... I, you know, it's it's funny, like, this is uh, very much becoming a big topic around, like, reusable energy and stuff like that in the recent years. I mean, and, and why do you think uh, it's becoming such a big topic in the recent years? Is it because 
the world is changing? Is it because we have more people and more people equals more energy use and more devices and, or it's just a combination of it all? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a combination of it all. And I think that, I think that the industrial revolution has been with the advancement of like digitalizing our world, the results mm. of the industrial revolution and all the manufacturing, all the resources being used and all the new resources being produced. I think it just became very visible mm. at some point just during this because the technology itself, the IT sector itself, has changed rapidly during the mm -hmm. last 20 years. And then at some point, we have seen these challenges with sustainability skyrocketing. Mm -hmm. And then all this new research where the new technologies maybe made easier this research to happen, mm -hmm. also made it super visible at, okay, uh, we are actually, we actually have a problem. Houston, we right. have a problem. We <laughs> we actually see the temperatures rising and we see we can model and see the actual consequences if we do, do nothing with it and continue producing and consuming more, 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 more. This mm. is what's going to happen. This is the fact that will happen with the wildlife. And it's all this, this chain in the ecosystem of the of of us living creatures being part of that ecosystem it will mm. all be how do we call it one after another it will be about like a butterfly effect mm -hmm, mm. if we do nothing this will cause for example some important um, animals disappear it will have a tremendous negative impact on the wildlife on mm. the sea life and then due to that more of destructions or more of natural disasters will happen, right? This is not something that is popping out of the fantasy. This is actual scientific research that also mm. has has been modeled that you can go and check. Right. And right. now it's visible digitally to everyone. And that's why we are paying more attention to it because many of us actually do care and what, want to do something about it. And that's one of the ways to do something about it is to spread the actual knowledge and not just, you know, marketing stuff yeah or using yeah, yeah. it as a marketing tool and i guess that's what what i try to do that's what the cncf technical advisory group for environmental sustainability is trying to do in the cloud native space because mm -hmm. we try to do something where we can and as engineers we can do it in the it sector wherever we whatever role we have mm -hmm. in that sector yeah it's it's very sad and it's quite icky that uh, a lot of organizations are using it to sell their products. <laughs> but yeah. we try to do the other thing, right? We try right, to right. talk about it as it is. Yeah, exactly. Hype. <laughs> yeah. So wrapping up here, what are what, you know? Where can everybody listening to this episode kind of go to? Uh, gain a little bit more knowledge around this and kind of follow along with what's happening or hopefully contribute or just follow along whatever they're comfortable with. Yeah, I would like to mention three organizations um, where you could follow and on a little bit different aspects that may be relevant to different parts of IT that focus on sustainability. Mm. Uh, the Green Web Foundation focuses more on kind of keeping the internet green as in general. So it has a database of the hosting providers that have 
that are making an impact and trying to be sustainable and have actual formal proof of that that you could, mm. for example, check. Um, and they publish a lot of content on that topic. Green Software Foundation focuses more on the application, on the software side of things, on how you could build applications, build your software in a more efficient and sustainable manner. And they're working on standardizing that mm. um, and also publish a lot of content, both podcasts and live streams and, and blogs. And finally, the one that I'm a part of uh, that is more relevant to, like mostly most relevant to cloud native and also Kubernetes uh, as well in a, in a, to a big extent is the technical advisory group for environmental sustainability. So we work a lot with also publishing information about how you could make your Kubernetes clusters more efficient, more sustainable, and how you could um, in general you utilize cloud and the tools available there in a more sustainable manner. And we have a separate working group called Green Reviews, where we are currently building a, um, a workflow that will measure the every CNCF project. That is our mm. long-term goal, goal. It will measure the resource consumption of every CNCF project and calculates its current sustainability and resource efficiency posture and provide recommendations on how you could improve that. So you could basically just connect that project, uh, that workflow to any of the CNCF projects in the landscape and get that information. And then we hope we would like to make that statistics publicly available as well. So if you're interested in technical contributions and as engineers, we do, this is a great way to contribute because we're using a lot of open source technolo uh, technologies like Open Tofu and mm. K3S and um, uh, K6 and a bunch of other tools. And we are currently at the starting point. So we are learning as we as we built, basically. So that's a great opportunity to collaborate with other yes. technologies on something that makes an impact. Awesome. Well, I, I definitely learned a lot because I... I don't think I really knew much about uh, the sustainability space from a, from a Kubernetes perspective before this podcast. So I appreciate it. Very cool. <laughs> then if I manage to uh, tell something to make someone feel like they <laughs> they learned something, I feel like my day was <laughs> successful that I managed to learn, uh, teach something about this topic in a way. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing, Christina. I appreciate it. Thank you, as always, for a great conversation, Michael. And Absolutely. thanks to all our listeners.